1: Hello and welcome to Star Trek Comic Book Review, with Donovan and Ken. Episode number 361, recorded February 20th, 2022.
0: And today we're finishing off Mission's End, with issues 4 and 5 of that, and Alien Spotlight
1: Gorn. Gorn. I like that Gorn one. Yeah, it was really good. Yeah. It wasn't quite what I expected
0: it would be. Mm. It was good. I was not expecting that at all. Nothing like the other Gorn books we've read. Yes. These Gorns
1: are... A little more cuddly. Yeah. Nice Gorns. <laughs> <laughs> I mean for Gorns. Sure. Sure. So uh,
0: in real world news, they have uh, restarted the Alien Spotlight anthology series. Oh. It, and I, I think UW the has. first one, yeah. So the first one is going to be Ferengi. I guess it's, I don't know what the orders are, but there's okay. a Ferengi one, a Klingon one, and a uh, what's books cat's name? Whatever that is. What the cat? Yeah, the cat. The, the fat cat. cat? Yeah, what's his name? Her name?
1: Um. um oh well. Mm, I don't remember. Yeah,
0: cat. <laughs> Alien Cat. Alien Cat's getting a book.
1: Okay. Not Jonesy from Alien, the cat did, there. We're talking did, about Books Cat. Did we Ooh. see did we see Books Cat do something extraordinary?
0: Or no, is it just uh, laying around think. being demanding? I think it just lays around and is the cat.
1: Okay, okay. Okay. So nothing like the uh the cat in Captain Marvel.
0: <laughs> right. I think you might be confusing it with that one.
1: Oh well I, I'm just saying. Is it has it done anything interesting? Uh,
0: not that I remember.
1: Okay. Okay. There you go. It causes trouble. Oh. He does like his cat. Yes. So uh we get to wrap up mission's end. Which is not how Star Trek Year Five ended. <laughs> no. Well, yeah. Well, there's so many different So there's multiple different you know last mission right books so this is just another one yeah N- not to
0: say anything bad about it but this one might be my least of the favorite uh <laughs> missions in type uh yeah. wrap-up story right i think the dc one's been my favorite so far the annual number two or annual number one
1: i don't that was, remember that, that one my favorite
0: yeah, that was the one where, uh, as they're coming in, Decker joins the crew and he's wearing the pajamas, ah. and uh, you know, because he, he's going to start transitioning sure? to get it ready. Right. I, I just remember really liking that story for some reason. How cool! I think Scotty has a girlfriend in it. I can't remember, and he Ooh. starts growing out the mustache. Oh. <laughs> I don't remember the specifics. Anyways, I remember I really liked that. Uh, that retelling of the last mission uh, whereas the year five did it a different way this one did it a different way yeah and uh, uh, like you said I'm sure there's other ones yeah cool but uh, but yeah let's see how this one ends kid
1: yeah that'd be great Um, any world of Star Trek things we'd like to say before we start
0: Uh, just the uh, I'm glad we're getting new IDW books cool uh coming up i'm glad we're getting uh you know new uh, you know the the plan is to have a new star trek episode every week forever uh i'm good with that too whether it be good that'll keep us going yeah
1: and then of course uh, a new kelvin movie a new kelvin movie yeah was, well i'll, I'll believe that when i actually see it well, well let's talk about this one shall we let's do it Okay, so I am doing a synopsis for Missions End number four. Its published date is June 2009. The writers, Ty Templeton, writer, Steven Molnar, artist, John Hunt, colorist, letterers by Robbie Robbins, editor Andy Schmidt, and Scott Dunbayer. Okay, so we have one cover that uh, features a snarling member of the Orion Syndicate with a knife in his hand uh, that Sulu and Spock are attempting to subdue this guy. Spock is pitting his strength against the Orion's hand that's holding the knife while Sulu appears to be holding a potato-sized rock that he might be bringing up to attack the Orion with. At least I think that's what he has in his hand. Um, And uh, spoiler... Uh, this fight never really happens in the book. So just let you know. Uh, and the cover's by Joe Caroni. And let me just mention that um, Sulu, his face, and his, the tilt of his head and everything is uh, looked very familiar to me So uh, on this cover that's been drawn. So I went ahead and, and looked around, and sure enough, there is a... It's the fencing shot, right? It's not the fencing shot. Um, it's, it's actually a picture where Sulu is in exactly the same position, even his hand is coming up. And I only see part of the picture, but he, he's, it's, it's McCoy who is, um, who he's got his arms around. So he's, oh, it really? looks exactly. like he's trying to subdue McCoy. So was this, and he's looking like he's having a really hard time of it. And he's, he's got a shirt he on. Be at the edge of forever. That's, that's what I'm thinking. So, mm-hmm. I, I didn't take the time to, to, ser- to search this, but that is what I thought. Interesting. I, I,
0: I knew I'd seen that picture of, of uh, George Decay before, but mm-hmm. I assumed it was
1: in the fencing episode. Cool. Well, he's still got a shirt on. So right, right. Maybe, possibly, but I don't think so. Right, cool. Okay. Good research. I do like to do that kind of thing. Okay. So, um,. Spock is on Arachinar 4 doing what he can for an unconscious Kirk hit by falling rubble. Around him are redshirts and spider guards that are trying to deal with the organized rebellion of the giant millipede crawlers. Some of the crawlers have made off with pieces of the spaceship, uh, the spaceship planet's power source that they refer to as the Heart of God. McCoy's team has been missing for 24 hours. Red Shirts take the initiative and take off in a shuttlecraft to follow the crawlers that are that are carrying this big heavy plate hexagon looking thing. Um, that's part of the, uh, the engine. Though they are able to follow the herd, the clever insects hid the power generation part that they stole from view from the shuttles. So they're able to, you know, kick up some dirt and also with all the all the the critters there, they're able to hide exactly where the uh, where the part is. A little shell game going on. Spock asks Ambassador Cassidy what her orders are since she is the ranking officer with Kirk unconscious. Meanwhile, in Crawler Land, McCoy is dealing with an uppity redshirt when the crawlers return. The crawlers do have wounded that McCoy expects to deal with, but before that. They place the stolen red hexagon part of the heart of God in a specific spot against the wall and all heck breaks loose. A bright white emits from the wall while the crawlers say, it awakens, it sees, uh, through the universal translator. McCoy's tricorder says the wall no longer exists. Chekhov asks if that is bad and McCoy Says, uh, how the heck should I know? Meanwhile, in Spider Land, a doctor is treating Kirk. Cassidy tells the doctor to get Kirk to the observation post where there's better facilities. Cassidy asks Spock for his advice. Spock gives the Heart of God about three hours to break down if the missing part is not returned. He suggests to withdraw all Starfleet personnel and contact the Federation Council. The Prime Directive states Starfleet cannot get involved with internal political or military conflicts of non-member worlds. The Slave Rebellion is an internal political matter. The High Administrator states the Crawlers are mere animals and directly asks for Federation aid to help them repair the Heart of God before it's too late. Without the crawler's manual labor to aid in moving the new parts into place, the Spiders cannot make the repairs in time by by themselves. Spock tells the high administrator the decision to help them is not theirs to make. They must withdraw and confer with the Federation Council. Meanwhile, on the Enterprise, Uhura has traced the unauthorized signal to Moore's quarters. Scotty... Sulu, Uhura, and a red shirt unlock the door and enter. Moore grabs for a phaser, but Sulu gives a karate kick to the face that sends the phaser flying. Scotty recognizes Moore's transmitter as Orion Tech. Moore, now on the ground and subdued, says the Syndicate is on their way, and the Enterprise is a sitting duck with no engines. He goes on to suggest keeping him alive and using him as a bargaining chip in about an hour would be smart, Scotty. Ambassador Cassidy takes up two pages worth of the comic, talking to an unconscious Kirk about how much she wants Kirk to wake up and take the burden of command off her shoulders. Deciding if an entire planet and all its people will die in the next several hours is not appealing to her. Mr. Muttonchops, red shirt spends two pages arguing with Dr. McCoy why they should all escape while McCoy and everyone else is giving first aid to the crawlers. McCoy finally has had enough and puts Mr. Muttonchops in his place. On the Enterprise, Scotty tells Crewman Lang to transfer warp coils, apparently from shuttle, the shuttlecraft Tranquility. He goes on to the brig to try to get more information out of more, like how many Orion ships are on their way. Scotty gets his answer when Rx reports from the bridge that 16 Orion ships have arrived and are positioning themselves around the Enterprise. On Arachnar, Kirk comes to and woozily formulates a plan to find the missing Heart of God part, put it back in place, and find McCoy. As the only two other Starfleet personnel still on Arachnar, Spock and Cassidy join Kirk on the last shuttle leaving for Armageddon. Da-da-da! Well, do they make it? You have to find out in the next issue. Oh,
0: man. It's a
1: nail-biter. It's a nail-biter. So... Cassidy wasn't sure what to do. She didn't like all this, but as soon as Kirk comes to, he he, he knows just what to do. Yeah. I don't like that. <laughs> <laughs> well, he's, he's still got the bandage around his head because supposedly his head got cracked. Right, right.
0: By that fallen rock.
1: Exactly. So they said something in the previous issue about they got some tech in his head or something or some something that's mending his head, but still. Yeah, I just hate how
0: indecisive she is. Yeah. I mean, she's been in command of this, of you know, these people before. Not the research these people, but I mean, she's been in charge of the station. research team.
1: Right. Yep. So and they yet, had that. Yeah, they had that space station they were working from, and
0: now she's like, oh, I just, I just wish some man would come and make <laughs> all the decisions for me.
1: Oh, especially Kirk, who she really does find attractive. Oh my God, I hated that part. Uh, I hated it too. It's like, come on, guys.
0: I mean Yeah, and right. then she's even like, and this better not be the time that you wake up, you know, that right. when you hear me say that I think you're attractive or whatever. And exactly. I'm just like, Oh my goodness. Is this like a uh a soap opera or something?
1: Well, soap opera and, and belittling Cassidy. Now mind you, if she's been more of a more of a support person You know, in first contact situations or, you know, commanding people that are doing research on people. So a lot of times she doesn't have life and death situations to deal with as much as Kirk. But come on. Right. She's a captain. Actually, at this point, she's an ambassador, but she She, was a captain. Or she was something, yeah. Yeah. I think she was a captain. I mean, when we first meet her, I think they talked about her being a captain.
0: Was she? I think. Then I don't know. Well, I don't okay, think whatever. I don't
1: think so. I don't think so.
0: But she was oh. something, yeah, definitely. Okay. She wasn't just somebody that turned up. You know, the first person that came off the truck or whatever. She she was in some sort of command.
1: Yes, she, yes, she was. In so or something. So this is this is the opposite of woke,
0: <laughs> <laughs>
1: <laughs> right? Because t- Discovery is way woke, and uh, this particular part of this comic is not woke. Right. But it was uh, what 2009 was that the, the date.
0: Uh yeah, 2009. Right.
1: So, the world wasn't quite as woke yet.
0: Right. And I mean, I'm going to go ahead and spoil this. There's a there's a there's a reference in the next issue to the last episode of Star Trek ever, which is the one where Kirk switches bodies. Mm. Mm-hmm. And in that in that episode, they go on and on about how there's been no women captains because they're so inferior
1: or whatever. Yeah, frail, whatever. Yeah.
0: And they reference that in the next issue. So that's how I know she wasn't captain because they flat out say in the next issue that there's never been a, a woman starship captain. Well, It's like, what? What? Okay. Why are you She's not on a starship.
1: Out? She's in a space station.
0: Okay, so you could be captain of a space station, but you can't be captain of a starship because because well, of your womanness. That's just so bad. Why would you even put that in your book?
1: I agree. I agree.
0: But as you know from from you know Cisco, uh, you don't. You only have to be a commander to be in charge of a whole space station.
1: That's true. But he was also a captain and in charge Later. of the space station too. Later. Well, okay, boo.
0: And maybe she'll get a promotion, too. You don't know. Okay.
1: Uh, just for the record, I'm pretty sure she was a captain. But that's fine. Uh, Let's move on. So, uh, yeah, so Kirk is is shoving them out of the way, trying to get to that that shuttle. So he's got his bandage on his head. He's got (laughs) the game plan. Get out of my way. It's time for Kirk to save the day. Wouldn't, wouldn't you if
0: uh, if you the planet's about to explode?
1: Well, I know, but it just. I mean, he, 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 he's having difficulty even maintaining his balance. Right. At the end of this issue, we'll see what yeah. happens in the next one.
0: Oh, he's fine in the next
1: one. <laughs> exactly. <Spoiler>. Exactly. <laughs> my point exactly. <laughs> get out of my way, mofo's! <laughs> I gotta be hero. I got some heroing to do. I was not a big fan of
0: the uh, you know since we did talk about the cover yeah uh, I don't like it. Every, everybody looks just kind of weird, yeah. the the way they're positioned and stuff. Especially the Orion, just something looks too cartoony about him.
1: Yeah, he 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 does look like a vicious individual, but yeah, I agree. I mean, and, and then and then Sp- what is, Spock's got a weird look on his face. Right. Which, which I think, I think also is from Taws. Uh, you know, some some scene in Taws. But I mean, he looks more like he's getting wigged out over you know in a mind meld or something, as opposed right. to being in the middle of a fight. Right. Yeah, and and the
0: Orion with all that garbage glued to his face and stuff, right. it's just like I can't take him seriously as being this threat. Yeah. He just looks like a you know, right. Some cosplay guy. Yeah.
1: Well yeah, so is that actually like implants in his skull and right. stuff?
0: I mean, cuz they look like like uh screws, like rivets and stuff. So right. is, are we are they implying that that stuff's riveted into his head? Uh,
1: is that like a Borg implant or right. something that a cybernetic performance enhancing something or is it just some kind of weird jewelry? <laughs> cuz he's got some stuff on his arms too.
0: Right. I mean he must be strong if he can fight off Sulu with a rock. <laughs> and,
1: and then Sp- Vulcan super strength Spock.
0: Right. Yeah. I don't I don't get I don't I don't get that cover.
1: Yeah. It's it's odd. I mean especially since it doesn't happen. Right. They never come, you know, face to face, fisticuffs. And Although it does look it looks like a grabber. I mean if I saw that on a on a stand at the comic book store i'd probably go on, oh, ooh, oh you would buy it i would
0: hmm. so uh for the first time in probably 15 years i bought a comic book today just because of the cover
1: oh ooh.
0: it was a picture of uh superman and nightwing and it was just like oh, that's a cool cover oh i think i'm gonna i want to read the book that this goes with so cool I was completely lost because, you know, um, I haven't been keeping up with DC Universe stuff, but
1: it was good. So this is a new issue. This is yeah. not like it. Yeah, it something... just, yeah, okay. just came out. Well, cool. So they're pairing up those two. Has that right. happened before or is that like a new oh, thing? Oh, yeah, yeah. Okay.
0: Yeah, everybody's paired up with everybody at some point. Okay,
1: that's fine. Great. But anyways, I just thought it was weird. I was like, you know,
0: because usually I buy a book because I'm specifically seeking out that book. This was the first time I just bought a book for Hey, that, that cover looks cool.
1: You saw it on Comixology or something, right? There.
0: Exactly. Hmm. Cool. But anyways, back to this book. Yes. Um. I don't really, I don't really like the artwork inside the book either. Um. Everybody just looks too stretched out. Like their faces are too long. Oh. It mm. just kind of looks odd at times.
1: Uh. Yeah, I mean they're like that Mister Muttonchops. I, I I dubbed him. <laughs> yeah. Um. That that red shirt that keeps on giving McCoy a hard time. I mean yeah. there there's some places where he's got quite a pouty face.
0: Right, as that that lip stuck out pretty big.
1: Exactly. Right. It's almost comic bookish.
0: Well, it is comic bookish. Well, but you know what I mean.
1: <laughs> yes, I get it.
0: It's it's almost like a caricature. Right. Yeah, no, uh, there's a lot of that in this book, and, and every time it happens, it kind of throws me off. It's just like, I can't take it seriously when Spock has this, like, long horse face. You know, it's just like <laughs> something just not right. Right. And, and again, I hate saying that because I can't draw worth crap. So this is like a bazillion times better than anything I could ever do. Right. Um, so I hate saying anything bad about it, but it's just like, just, it, takes, it just takes me out of the story a little bit. Yeah. Because some shots look great, and then then you turn the page, and then just something looks off, and you're just like, "Eh." I know who that's supposed to be, but it does not look like it anymore.
1: Right. I think it's it's good drawing, but there are some downsides to it. I mean, I think there's a lot of shots where, uh, there's one I'm looking at right now where a phaser is flying out of um, Moore's hands, and that phaser looks awesome. And then uh, Sulu kicking Moore in the face, doing the kung fu thing. Right. That looks Whack. awesome. Whack. But then right. on the same page at the top, Moore is using this Orion <laughs> transmitter or something. It's like, mm-hmm. oh my god, what is that supposed to be?
0: Yeah, it's got like the all these
1: skeletal arms holding exactly. little rods. And then yeah, so so there's a couple there's two in particular that I'm looking at towards the top of the device coming out. And it's holding on to chopsticks. What's that for? Is that supposed to help radio gain or something? And then it's got like these these spindly little, like maybe feet. I don't know. It just looks weird, right? But then also,
0: right after the whack kick, right. um, the next panel Sulu has like these giant hands. No. really long like <laughs> Rx arms
1: it's just really I see what you, I see what you're saying yep. he looks like he's got his, his, his fingers out I'm gonna crush your head like a grape with my, right with my but fingers. now I got giant monkey paws.
0: So I don't know <laughs> yeah, yeah. proportion is wrong
1: yeah. and we've talked about sometimes uh, the drawings of the Enterprise right especially in the neck is too long between the secondary and primary hull and something like that. And then, oh, I'm, I just went forward. Okay, so here's another page where it shows the Enterprise with the neck that's too long and spindly. It shows a good drawing of Rx, I think. Yeah, Rx looks good. And then the Scotty shot. It's like mm-hmm. that whole thing you say where their faces are drawn and stuff. It's like, right. Scotty's unhappy about seeing all those ships. And I get that. But look at his upper lip. Right. It's
0: huge. It's Everything's just too stretched out, yeah. Yeah.
1: <laughs> mixed bag, but I, you know, I still like the artwork, and like you say, better than we could ever do <laughs> right yeah, yeah. So i
0: I don't want to ever complain about it, but... yeah, but what's funny is that um cassidy, I think she never has the long face scenario she always looks Perfect. consistent in all the all her scenes, yeah well it's everybody she's... everybody else that seems to be mistrawn. and it's funny because she's the only one not based on a character that. We know, you know, we've seen every single angle of Shatner and Nimoy and yeah. and all these pieces. We've never
1: seen her. No. <laughs> and yet she looks consistent in every panel. Yeah, but she's also, but she's put up as the female ideal. I mean, she is beautiful. Uh, you know, he's got the blue eyes and the perfect hair and the lips and it's like a uh, nice figure. I mean. She's been yeah, put forward as, like, a female ideal.
0: When they did those close-ups of her face, I wish they would have done, like, the shadows on her forehead and, and the lower face and then the the strip of light across her eyes, like every close-up of ah! the original series.
1: <laughs> uh, I you know I, what I'm talking, I about, what talking right? about. I know Why what you're talking about.
0: Why was that a thing? I don't know. It really takes you out of the movie when... When it does a close up of the women and they and they have that like strip of white over their eyes and then they yeah, and then they do the uh that plays that music, yes,
1: and then they got the uh the vaseline on the lens, so everything's really kind of diffused and uh fuzzy yeah fuzzy right there you go, I remember um is there in truth no beauty where diana muldar well the, the the one that played. Um, Pulaski. Dr. Pulaski yeah, this is in Taws, and she was in there, and there I remember there was a scene in particular that was showing her, and she was you know a very attractive lady and that kind of stuff, but man, they had the vaseline on that big time, very yeah. fuzzy and diffuse, and it was like, oh my God, she looks so beautiful
0: right. <laughs> well, all the Joan Collins scenes in uh oh, you know, that's true, and in... see oh, an forever. Right.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 Okay, anyway. so... I don't want to change. I, I, I got to ask. Since when do Taw's era shuttles have, have warp, drive? warp drive that you warp could cool. take? And, and since when can you take tiny little... Well, relatively tiny. I mean, what? Uh, one foot, two foot warp coils? Right. And if they had them. Which they don't. Which they don't. And you're going to somehow put that into the Enterprise where the warp coils are probably like 10 feet in diameter at the very least, if not, you know, huge. Right. Yeah. And and try to get it to work. It's so funny.
0: I just kept picturing them like popping, you know, like a double a batteries and trying to stick them into a car <laughs> you know trying to replace the car battery with a right. couple of with double AA batteries there you go that's the way i was picturing it. you'd have to hook a
1: lot of those together
0: yeah it's so stupid <laughs>
1: <laughs> but it's like the writer ty whatever uh he knows that anybody worth their salt and knows anything about TOS is those shuttles did not have warp drive. Right. So they they know that this is BS, and he's just counting on them just going with it anyway. So, right. Okay. Okay.
0: Because it's convenient to the plot, and it you is. know what, this is this is early in IDW's Star Trek run, yeah. so maybe he didn't know.
1: Oh well. Okay. So you're saying that. Well,
0: I'm, somebody I'm, at IDW would have a known. i scenario where he grew up on Next Generation and just assumed the <laughs> shuttles have.
1: Yeah. Well, <laughs> they don't. And actually, quite frankly, those small shuttles that they had in, on, the, on Enterprise-D, mm-hmm. it's like, I thought it was supposed to be like when you started getting runabouts and stuff, which is a Deep Space Nine thing. I thought that's when they started getting uh, warp drive, warp-capable smaller ships. Did those tiny little things they had on, you know, Enterprise D that Geordie flew once in a while and was grabbed by Romulans or that, that Data was flying that one time and got grabbed by, uh, you know, that, that traitor? Yeah. Um, did those little things have warp? Were they warp capable I think they were. Oh, man. They're so tiny. Okay.
0: Yeah. Well, I mean, in, in the motion picture, that little warp, that well, little shuttle Okay, pod
1: but that, that, had, that had a warp
0: sled on it. I mean, right. that... That was really no bigger than a, a shuttle. Wow. Well, so in the future, they just fused that little pod and the warp sled into what's now the next generation okay, shuttle. Okay,
1: but I had the impression that that was a bigger ship than, than a Taw shuttle. No, that thing was tiny. I don't think so.
0: When it came in and docked on the Enterprise, it well, was like a little one-man thing, I, and the you sled wasn't did much. You see what do. was it?
1: How do you know that? It I mean, th- th- no, mind you, I, I think it, I think it's more like like a like a runabout. I don't think I think it's more like a runabout size. Really? Wow. I think.
0: Mm. Well,
1: I doubt I'm going to go watch the uh, motion picture to find out. <laughs> well, you couldn't it. tell anyway. I mean, the only, the only way you would really know is roughly how big that that shoebox that popped off the sled was compared to the uh, docking port.
0: Because uh, otherwise,
1: other than that, you can't tell. You didn't actually see inside the shuttle, right? Ever? Uh, I don't remember. I don't think so. Anyway, but whatever. It looked tiny. I mean, moving on. All right, moving I, on. I I do like, I I do like the shot of the Enterprise with all the uh, all the Orion ships around it.
0: Yeah, the Romulan sh- or the Orion ships look very Romulan to me with the bird design. Mm-hmm.
1: It looks like it's got a beak.
0: Yeah, and front of it. and wings. It's it's very bird-like.
1: Yeah.
0: Now we've never seen Orion ships before, right? So they had artistic license here.
1: You know, I'm sure at one point, we might have, but not in Taws. Well, right. did they even have Orion's in? No, of course they did. The yeah. the dancing girls and stuff. Okay, yeah. Right. Um, but I don't remember seeing the males in TOS. Um, I don't know. It, they popped up on Voyager. They popped up. Um, Enterprise. On Enterprise. Uh, you know, maybe at some point we saw an Orion ship, but I don't. I don't remember what it looked like. Right. It I don't, if I did see one it didn't look like this.
0: Yeah, I don't remember it looking like that. Yeah. But these do look cool.
1: Yeah. Yeah, they look cool. So, these are these these are smaller than the Enterprise. I mean, right? Although they do kind of look big. I mean, 16 big, ships? Though. Yeah. 16 ships? That's a lot of ships. Right. Would you really need 16 ships? I don't know. They really want that planet for some reason. Well, I guess so. I guess so. Alright. Thrill-packed
0: conclusion? Yeah, let's see how it all wraps up. Great. So this came out July of 2009. Uh, the writing and art staff is all the same, with the exception of uh, the letterer is now Neil Utaki. Uh, a single cover by Joe Coroni. And uh, I actually like this one. It's, it's almost photorealistic. Uh, it shows Kirk in his dress uniform, the green with the The badges. And then uh, to the lower right is Spock. And then to the left is McCoy holding a little drink. And then at the bottom of the page is an empty captain's chair. And then at the top we see the Enterprise racing towards Earth. It's by far uh, my favorite uh, cover of these five books
1: because it really drives home. They're heading home, and that chair is about to be empty. So it's a good one. I agree, and I I, especially—I really like McCoy. Look on McCoy's face, right? He's got his—you know—left side of his face kind of like clicked up a little bit, like he's mischievously thinking of something, like maybe his next insult on Spock. I don't know. (laughs) While he's giving that toast, exactly. He—it's just a really fun little look on his face. Yeah, no, I liked it a lot.
0: All right, so the story wraps up pretty quick. So Kirk, Ambassador Cassidy, and Spock arrive to the last known location of McCoy. Uh, There, the quadratic or quadraphasic makeup of the ship is breaking down the, I guess it was a hologram illusion and not a real forest, because you can actually see through the walls and see to the uh, machinery underneath. And we can see that the millipedes are crawling in and out of all this uh, weird light and inner workings of the ship. They land near one of these ruptures and they find McCoy's team still around helping the sentient millipedes. Meanwhile in orbit, the Enterprise is in the standoff with the Orion fleet. While stalling for time, Scotty does visit the imposter named Moore. And uh, Moore tells Scotty that the only reason why the Orions want him back so bad is that he has some blackmail that will go out if he does not return home. Meanwhile, inside the planet ship, uh, it is about to go supernova when the millipedes return to the city of the spider people, and they are carrying the two eyes of the gods that they had stolen. The spider leader accepts McCoy's theory that the quadraphasic phenomena is what caused the millipedes to become sentient, and the spider people and the millipede people both decide to live on the planet in peace. So speaking of living, they don't have much of it, because as soon as they repair the ship, it starts to build up for an interdimensional jump of some sort. The insect people stay on the planet, ready for their next voyage, while the Federation hurries up and gets into the shuttle bay, or the shuttle, and leave before the great ship plunges into the unknown. Upon reaching orbit, uh, Kirk sees that they are being surrounded by the Orions. Kirk informs the pirates to leave in order to save their lives. He even explains that the ship's about to jump. But uh, they refuse to do so and are all killed when the planet ship slips through space. Luckily, the Enterprise... And the shuttle were able to limp away at a low warp three to get away just in time. So we flash forward to some time later. The Enterprise is starting its refit in orbit of Earth. Kirk has indeed taken on the Admiral rank. Uh, Cassidy is offered a promotion to Captain. Despite being a, a lowly woman. Uh, McCoy and Spock are also both offered captain duties as well. Uh, McCoy on a medical ship called the Gallon and Spock on the Enterprise herself. However, both of them refuse. McCoy says that he does not want to go out into deep space without Kirk watching his back. And Spock says that he wants to return to Vulcan to purge the last of his human emotions. Kirk leaves the bridge one last time, hoping that he's made the right
1: choice. The end. So they are—they both turned down Kirk's plans for them.
0: Yeah, at least that part was consistent in both yeah. this and Year 5.
1: Yeah. Which, again, was a disappointment for Kirk, but case raw.
0: Right. At least he didn't get in an argument like he did in year five when Spock says, I'm going back to Vulcan. And Kirk's like, you're throwing away your future, you know, (laughs) which was really out of character for him. Yeah. So here he's just like, oh, good luck. Drats. Hope you made the right choice. Drats. And I hope I did. Drats. Which, you know, because we've all seen the movies, we know that ultimately it's probably not the right choice because he's not happy. In the future. No, but... In fact, McCoy's the only one that seems pretty happy at the beginning of Star Trek motion picture and kind of annoyed that he's having to go out again.
1: (laughs) Right? Yes. Yep. But Kirk was in the right place at the right time because of his admiralty, and he was pulling strings to get the Enterprise back, and... In the end, it was good that Decker and he went. Oh yeah, yeah, good thing. Yes, that Decker did stay because he knew things that Kirk did not about the new ship. Although, if he was the admiral in you know overseeing the refit, it's uh, it's oh, so interesting how much he a didn't bad know. Admiral? <laughs> no, I mean obviously Decker was the one on the ship, you know actively doing it. So he would know more details, but I I still thought that Kirk was the, was supposed to be the Admiral overseeing it or involved in it. So Hmm.
0: yeah, it is funny how much Star Trek generations parallels that, that part of Star Trek, the motion picture in that it's another scenario where Kirk's on a not quite functional ship and, Kind of looking like an idiot a lot of times. <laughs> oh, those aren't installed till Tuesday. You exactly. Know. Right. Uh, I never really thought about how much they 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 are similar.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Yep. Where do you stand on generations? Classic or bottom of the heap?
1: I liked it. It wasn't my favorite. My favorite is uh, First Contact. Mm -hmm. Um, but (laughs) next to first contact, it's my second favorite. (laughs) But then when you take a look at the other ones towards the bottom of the uh, list, (laughs) uh, I I I liked all of them. I liked all of them, but I got to say, um, generations, I liked it, but it was the storage it was just doing. I mean, that Nexus could do anything you needed it to do. Right. And that really bugged me. Right. You need you need a cameo with Whoopi. Uh, ping, she's there too. <laughs> yeah, I'm really surprised they didn't bring
0: the Nexus into that Coda book trilogy. Uh-huh. I mean, that could have factored into it too.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: So okay. Anyways, yeah, I agree with you that uh, now that you mention it, yes, it's
1: probably the second best of the Next Generation movies. <laughs> y- yeah, I there were a lot of things in it I like. There was some of the stuff that uh Spiner did with Mr. Tricorder that, oh, that I kind of liked funny. and also was a little over the top. But <laughs> I I I liked it. It was funny. Yeah, it was cute. It.
0: So what'd you think of this book? It it uh it was abrupt ending,
1: right? It just seemed like And then everything happened. Well, yeah, so yeah. So Kirk gets back on you know, gets back on that horse and uh and at the at the end of the last one, he's, like, stumbling around with the bandage on his head, the Mr. Gumby bandage on his head, um, <laughs> which is a uh, Monty Python reference. But then at the beginning of this one, no bandage, and he's, like, hanging out uh, of the shut- of the hovering shuttlecraft, looking down, and you're like, hey, you know, obviously he doesn't have any balance issues if he's right. like hanging out like that. So he's just 100% back to normal doing the hero thing. And, uh, and things, things fall into place. So, yeah. Right. But didn't you get that
0: it was real foliage and trees and stuff? So here it kind of makes That's it sound thought. like it was a holodeck of some sort. Because it's like the walls are disappearing and people are walking through. Or is it because the transphasic thing makes uh, solid matter
1: I, I think they took the – liable. I think they took the excuse that they've got two, two parts. I mean, look at them. There's two of them. Not just one. I thought they took one. But there's two of them sitting there against the wall where everything's getting weird. Yeah. Yeah. Um, So they're they're just doing whatever they want to and they say, oh, it's the part of the heart of God. Yeah, that's what's causing that. And they're doing anything they want to. But is it
0: is it a holodeck that's failing, or is it really just holes in the
1: trees now? I, th- uh, I think it's holes in the trees. Oh, okay. Um, I, I, I I thought they were real. I, think, I thought they were real foliage as much as they were real insects.
0: Right. Same here. Yeah. Until I saw, like, you know.
1: And I could kind of understand maybe
0: the sky would be a holodeck. Yeah. Because, you know, there's not a real sun. Mm-hmm. But... The ground, I thought, was real ground, uh, but here we see worms crawling from a tree straight into the bowels of a ship. So it's like, mm-hmm. well, that's that's weird. Yeah. But yeah, they stole. They had one from the very beginning, and then they stole that second one in issue three. So that explains why there's two of them. Yeah, and oh, issue three
1: they stole one. Wait a minute.
0: Yeah, issue three they stole one during the big ceremony. Oh, okay.
1: I missed that. I forgot. That.
0: Yeah, that's why all these ones that are being um, doctored up by McCoy—that's that's how they all got hurt. Was stealing that second one.
1: Okay, okay. I I thought they only took one, but
0: okay. Well, they already had one, and and that's what McCoy was saying. Because they had that first one, now they're smart. But Whoa. then, what made them steal the first one if they weren't already smart at that point?
1: There's a lot of questions. Yeah, and I have the same questions. And my question was, I don't remember how they had two. And did they have the first one from some point in the past? And did they have it long enough that they had the mutation they were talking about? And if that's true, so you could be missing one part and it's still okay, but as soon as you miss two parts, that's when it goes supercritical? Exactly. That's what they're saying?
0: Yeah, so some, somewhere okay. between Issue 1 and 2, they stole the first one. Because in Issue 2, they, they mentioned that there's a, a piece missing. Right. Issue 3, they stole the second piece. And then that's when the poop hit the fan. Yeah.
1: And actually, if you take a look at the last pages of uh, Issue 1, you'll see that those hexagon, red hexagon things, mm-hmm. uh, form a band around the, uh, you know, like the, uh, the Washington yeah. Monument Tower. Right. And it looks like there's one piece missing.
0: Oh, so there was one missing all the way back then. Hmm. Well,
1: at least, I assume. I mean, is that the same? That yeah. one missing, is that the one that the that the, the crawlers have had?
0: Right, I guess so. Okay. I,
1: I knew that it was missing in
0: two. I didn't realize that it was missing in, in one as well. So I guess yeah. they've had a, a good long time then.
1: Yeah, I guess so.
0: But again, if they weren't already smart,
1: why would they have stolen it in the first place? Yeah, I don't know. Good point. I mean what, what, what gave them the impetus to grab the first part. I right. do not know. I shiny. do not know. Shiny, shiny.
0: I, I did like the uh the reaction from the spider leader. He's like, Oh, talking creep crawlers, that's that's an abomination and then That's abomination against God and then the Scotty's like or Sp- uh McCoy's like well actually it's because they were close to that those eyes of god which now makes them smart. Oh, well they must be a divine. This well, is great.
1: They man. were ra- yeah, they're raised up. They're like <laughs> us. Oh, and then a, a 180. Yeah. One yeah we were eating those guys and using them like uh like cannon fodder uh and and riding them around like uh like horses. But oh no, now they – still okay to eat the dumb ones. You just can't eat the smart ones now. Well, are they so is it just that group that's smart? And there's other dumb so. ones around? Yeah, so? I, think,
0: I think the ones that haven't been around the eyes are still dumb.
1: Okay, okay. At least that's the way and, I think. I don't know. Okay, so that's convenient. And, the, sure. and I, I don't want to take us too far off topic, but let's jump to the end. Talk about convenient. It's like, okay, so the power that this planet slash spaceship produces is a potential threat because it's that powerful. Right. Isn't it convenient how all of a sudden with the uh with all the parts in place that it jumps into a multi-dimensional transitioning ship. Right. Boy, yeah. that's convenient.
0: <laughs> now it's some other dimensions problem.
1: Yes. Yeah. yeah. Kind of silly. Yeah. But and then it, it's so handy it got rid of the sixteen <laughs> Orion ships. <laughs> Yeah, now
0: why did they not shoot the shuttles? Like they knew that it was just Kirk and you know, a few people. Why mm-hmm. not just destroy it? I don't know. Before it could warp away. I And yes, don't it know. Warps but but
1: away. but it with what they wanted was the planet, the shuttle and the Enterprise was leaving. Right. So, oh, you're gonna leave the prize to us without contesting? Okay, bye. Yeah, I guess so. Well, it didn't work out for him, now did it?
0: No, it didn't, because they didn't listen to Kirk, and he told him, he warned him. Even though he did say at one point, he's like, well, I'm going to send a quarter of my fleet to follow the spacecraft and the, the shuttle, and the rest of us are going to plunder the planet, but I guess they didn't actually do that because they, or didn't have they a waited to too it. long.
1: Yeah, didn't have a chance to do it. They got sucked into the black hole thingy. Yep, and since we're talking about the end, I like the uh, <laughs> I like how they're in the shuttle, and then uh, that that Boyd, Mister Chops, is smirking and saying, "We never doubted you for a second, sir." hmm And then McCoy is looking at him, "You a-hole."
0: <laughs>
1: <laughs> because of course, earlier in the book. You know he's whining like the little right. poop head he is, uh, and scoffing as McCoy's, McCoy is saying, "You know, Kirk and Spock are going to rescue us." Right, and he's like, "Oh no, he isn't." Yeah, I like that. Anyway, so I like, I like that, that that little bit of humor at the yeah. end. Now that worked.
0: And Chekhov, yeah, Chekhov and McCoy both have the giving him the stink eye, which I really like. <laughs> 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 but what I didn't like is the next page where Cassidy flirts with Kirk. Like, like they've been flirting back and forth in these five issues, and and they never, they never actually act upon it because they're always like, oh, we're, we're starfleet captains, so we can't, we can't, uh, you know, can't get involved. And then here she is; she does it, and she's expecting him to. I guess not uh not say no this time. And this time he says no because he's going to give her the captaincy because now that he's an admiral, he can pull some strings to make that happen. Um, yeah,
1: but... I really
0: did not like that.
1: Well, no. I it it sounds like sexual harassment. Work harassment. <laughs> and, and besides... Well, okay. So they're temporarily both captains. But... You know, I went back and looked at issue one, and she was a captain back then. It says right there. She was a captain. She was a captain, but not a captain of a starship.
0: What's the difference?
1: So, promotion? I mean, she was a captain, then she became an ambassador, and now she's going to be a starship captain? Okay.
0: Whatever. so, in that episode of original series... They must have said, you "No know, woman's been a star, uh, starship captain." I guess. Yeah, maybe, maybe that's their way of saying, "Oh, that was still ca- that's still canon, even though it's incredibly sexist." <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> well,
1: I think things that are incredibly sexist shouldn't be canon. But
0: no, they should just ignore it. Like, yeah. like
1: every other Star
0: Trek media has just ignored that episode. Yeah. One, it's really bad, yeah. and two, it's horrible. Just, just. Uh, we don 't talk about that yeah
1: well, and what did Pike say in the original cage episode he he can't he he can 't get used to having a woman on his bridge oh that 's right well okay what's what about number one i mean she 's been around a while right or i mean as a matter of fact, when you find out later, of course, this is like revisionism to some degree, but in some novels expanded universe novels, um number one was with um April. Captain April. Right. So she was a young officer with April. Uh, anywho.
0: Yeah, no, I don't like that. I mean, no. I like just ignoring it. Like, yeah. Like, like we ignore that this. Like, Bumpy-headed the, the Enterprise people turned into bugs. We, oh! We don't, <laughs> Voyager. Voyager. We, we, no, I'm talking about Enterprise D when they all de-evolved into oh my god, that. monkeys or spiders or whatever. Yeah. <laughs> you know, you always talk about Taz season three being bad. Yeah. I just rewatched the Next Generation season six is bad. They they were running out of ideas. <laughs> oh, six was worse than seven. Well, there's only six, so yes. What? No, no, like no, no, there is seven. No, there's seven there's is seven. bad. Seven six is bad, but seven is really bad. Yeah, I think You're they were right. running. They were running out of ideas. Oh yeah, they were focusing on making the movie. Yeah.
1: <laughs> and and Voyager, so they were like, hey, we'll just slap we'll just, something uh, together.
0: Yeah, man, there's some bad yet, episodes. Yes, all good things was excellent. Sure, there were still some good ones, but yeah,
1: but that what, evolution,
0: evolutions yeah, or something, one.
1: right? Yeah, that was the that was like the Kirk's brain or Spock's brain <laughs> of of uh, next gen. Yeah, so again. Was just, there a worse th- one than that? That was pretty bad.
0: Uh, Yeah, uh, of season seven. Uh, well, there was, ta- gen,
1: how about next gen period? Oh, that one was Is that the worst? The, uh,
0: that one with the uh, the African tribe. Oh, that was that pretty bad. Is, that one's hard to watch.
1: That was pretty bad. Good point. Well, season okay, so season one in general was pretty uneven.
0: Right. And mm-hmm. then seven is just like, it's either really good or just really bad.
1: Yeah. There you
0: go, and again because they were that wasn't their priority at the time, right? Uh, so, anyways, back to back to issue five here. Yes. Um, so yeah, so I, I did not like that he said that he had to pull strings to make her a captain. Um, wish they would have just cut those pages out.
1: Mm-hmm. Well, there's a couple of places that are a little on the uh, sexist side in this five issue arc.
0: Right, which the original but, series was kind of well, sexy. it was,
1: but this was made in two thousand nine. Yeah, exactly. They, and, <laughs> and they should. It was it. in nineteen sixty sixties.
0: Right. Um, I didn't like that. Uh, the reason for Spock to go do the Kolinar is because at one point he suggested to Cassidy that they should just leave and write. Mm-hmm. Write McCoy off. Write McCoy off. Yeah. McCoy, and then Kirk didn't do that, so therefore Kirk is better than he is, and now he has to go purge himself of emotions so that no, he doesn't feel not, bad. I was not, like,
1: ah, that's so bad. Yeah, that's, that's not, it, I think they had a lot more buildup in the, uh, what, the year five books. Right. About him going back in time and all that kind of crap. Right, right. So, so they oh, have yeah, a yeah. lot more buildup and a lot more reasons uh, than this sudden thing that happened. Right. And it,
0: yeah. And it does seem so random because, I mean, yeah. there's other times when he suggested to do something in the show and then Kirk does the opposite following his gut instincts and ends up being the winner. But Spock's never been like, well, I'm going to quit because that, that makes me feel bad, you know, or wow. whatever. <laughs> I agree. So out of character. But but Spock a scenario was let, we have seen before
1: Spock was going to let McCoy just go toasty it's like come on the terrific trio well, the needs of the many I have to outweigh the needs of the few <laughs> or the one there you go right good point
0: but I mean but still and then I mean I didn't even know he was having a problem because it, it wasn't clear but there was several scenes where Spock's like doing something and then somebody will be like Spock, are you okay? And I'm like, why is he Why is he asking? He seems to be fine. Mm. He's piloting the shuttle. Why are you asking him if he's okay? And then, and then when they have this conversation at the end, you find out, well, maybe he wasn't okay, but it still seemed a little forced.
1: Right. Well, he definitely seemed like he was make trying to make amends even when he had the one leg up on the uh, shuttlecraft uh, strut or whatever. And he's and Cassidy's asking him, what are you doing? And he's going, following my captain or whatever he said. Right. Well, it was that the end of, uh, number four, I think. Right. Right. So maybe he was starting to make, try, you know, realize he was not saying the right, or not making the right call.
0: Right. And again, that goes back to, we can't do anything unless Kirk, Kirk does it for us.
1: Well, exactly. So that's, that's almost a little bit like, uh, You can't do anything. Nobody can figure anything out except for Burnham. (laughs) Right. Right. So,
0: yeah. So in issue four and five, they they do that as far as the story goes. And then they cap off the story with McCoy flat out saying it. No, I don't want to be captain because you're not going to be there, Kirk. And I won't go out unless you're covering my back. I'm just like, that is a weird thing to say. You know, you're a... You're a medical uh you're, you're the chief of medicine on a on a starship but now you're so loyal to only one person that you're going to give up the whole your whole career because he won't go out with you? Right. That's just really out of character for him, I thought.
1: I think so too. But I mean cuz obviously they weren't buddy buddies when he replaced Piper. Right. So you know, he was he was in Starfleet, he was you know, a doctor in Starfleet before Kirk came along. Right. And I totally get
0: when he's like, the, you know, Starfleet's a young man's game and oh, I want to spend time with my daughter. That. I get that and part. Yeah. All that. I'm like, yeah, that makes sense. And then he tops it off with, plus I don't want to go out there if you're not going to be with me. And I'm like, what? <laughs> <laughs> it's just weird. It's just totally weird. <laughs> And it kind of makes puts the movies in a different perspective because you know I always felt like you know if Kirk wasn't there he would still be you know like in Star Trek Two, he was still he was still doing Starfleet stuff mm-hmm. even though he wasn't a, assigned to the same ship Kirk was yeah just, I don't know I didn't like I didn't like those parts I didn't like the sexism and I didn't like that part it just yeah. seemed out of character
1: well and it all comes back to Kirk. Right. So I'm sure William Shatner loved these issues. Oh yeah, it was very Kirk focused. Kirk was the hero. He was the sa- savior. Right. Um, so, but I did like that last shot where he's like,
0: as the turbo lift doors are shutting, he's like looking at the empty seat, wondering, mm-hmm. "Did I make the right choice?" Exactly. I loved
1: it. Yep. That's always good. You got to have Kirk, you know, having second thoughts as he's leaving the con
0: and we've all had those second thoughts anytime you change jobs you're always like that last day you're at your old job you're like "Ooh, i hope i'm not making a mistake (laughs) (laughs)
1: Uh, anything else for this issue i wanted to make two artwork comments oh there is a shot of the uh columbus coming down The shuttlecraft? The shuttlecraft craft Columbus coming down with, you know, Kirk and uh, Cassidy and, and, and Spock at the beginning of this issue. And it's coming down through the clouds and everything, and I just think it looks so awesome. Mhm. It's a really yes, nice... on
0: the first page, right?
1: Uh, is it the first page? Yeah, it should be yeah. on the first page. Right. Um, it just looks so pretty. I love it. I, th- I think it's a very good drawing. Yeah, it looks good. And can I also say... So the page where you were commenting upon Kirk looking at the con and make, and wondering if it was the right, right move. Um, the next page in the comic shows a star Trek, true star Trek to the wrath of Khan uh, cover or some kind of and, promo right. or whatever. Yeah. And it's great. Cause it's got Khan on the top, which is really mm-hmm. cool. But I'm, so it's got Shatner's head, you know, kept Kirk and then Ricardo Montalban as Khan. And then I'm looking in between their two heads and I see the Enterprise. And it's like, what what the heck are they doing with the uh, with the nacelle pylons? Yeah, it's a little funny. Look funky. at how curved it is. Right. So, I don't know if you guys are looking at this, but um, that's not right. <laughs> uh, the Taws movie, movies never had a curved pylon like that. It's just, okay, I just... It just threw me off. I just noticed it. Yeah, no, it's it's a little weird. Yeah. Yeah,
0: yeah I was all excited when that, it, the, that miniseries came out because mm-hmm. that was the only original series movie that did, never had an adaptation yeah. in comic book form. So luckily IDW rectified that.
1: There you go. Okay, that's it. That's all I have to say. About no. this one, it was good. I liked I like the series. It wasn't perfect. How often are they? But I liked it. And yeah, and big. the fact that they had such different aliens, and I know we said this before, but kind of cool. You know, in a comic book, you can do anything you want that you can draw. So they did. Right. Yeah. You so don't the, have to the, worry these about, insect, about. Yeah. Special effects. Yeah. There you go. These insect aliens were quite quite a different story.
0: Okay. Yeah, I just wish they would have explained it a little bit as to are they giant because they're the the planet is giant, right? Because they kept talking about how the whoever built the ship must have been giant. Right. So does that mean that these are like normal sized bugs on that planet, or are the bugs also giant? Because right. they're bugs?
1: and but all the trees are, look normal size, right? Right, so they're not giant trees. Um, and then all those those building structures that were there, they right. were they weren't giant sized. So, yeah. right, exactly. So I'm yeah, a little confused on that
0: too. Human looking.
1: Yeah. All right. Okay. So shall we, change we go? Change gears. Yes. A little alien spotlight action.
0: Yeah. Came out
1: this uh, just a little before. Yep. This miniseries. September 2007. Okay. So um, this turned out to be the first Alien Spotlight, apparently. Um, But Donovan corrected me earlier. Uh, These aren't numbered, per se. So, okay, fine. Uh, This one is dealing with the Gorn. And this came out September 2007. Writer Scott and David Tipton. Art and Halftones by David Messina. I'm not quite sure what a halftone is. Uh, Colors... And the Gorn Tech Designs by Paolo Modellini. I hope I got that right. Artists by Sarah Picelli. Letterer, Chris Maury, Editor, Dan Taylor. So we have two covers. Cover A features an agile-looking Gorn with a nasty-looking blade. He is snarling and staring at the reader, as if to say, please provoke me into attacking you. And there's a big old moon behind him, so this looks like it's a nighttime scene or something. Cover is by Zach Howard. I like that cover. It looks really cool. Cover B features the head and torso of a very muscular Gorn with a surly look on his face. You do not want to mess with this guy. And this cover is by David Messina. Captain Terrell... First Officer Chekhov, the ship's doctor, and a few others are flying in a shuttle to rendezvous with the USS Reliant. Yes, we get to have a different crew in this story. They finished a medical mercy mission to nip a potential epidemic of cymbaline bloodburn in the bud and are looking forward to returning to their main uh, ship, the Reliant. Suddenly, a shuttle malfunction disables warp drive with impulse and even life support about to go on the fritz. Chekhov happens to find a Class M planetoid, thankfully in range, so they head for it. After the very rough landing, the scene shifts to a Gorn command center, apparently on the same planetoid as the shuttle crashed on. The Gorn's sensors identify the small incoming ship as a Federation shuttlecraft. Human. Rather than sending a war party, the head Gorn decides to even the score with the humans by sending a rescue team to the shuttle crash site to render aid. He intends to even the score with the humans when a human captain spared the life of a Gorn captain. The shuttle Kepler is broken beyond repair. The survivors make their way outside to take a look around and assess their options. Chekhov says he should be able to get the subspace emergency beacon working in a few hours. The doctor says her tricorder identified multiple large reptilian lifeforms headed their way. A crewman named Skiles steps on a hidden trigger which activates a booby trap that swings two massive tree trunks together with Skiles in the middle. He crushed like a grape. Captain Terrell assumes the incoming large life forms rigged up this booby trap. Therefore, they are very likely co- hostile. They have to leave Skyle's body behind while they move to a new location in the opposite direction from the incoming hostiles. From a high point, Terrell uses binoculars to assess the life forms. Gorns! And a lot of them at that. Mr. Bates recalls Kirk fought one on Cestus III, and they wiped out an entire station like it was nothing. Terrell says they are to remain calm and assess the situation further. The Gorns start walking up the incline to their position, so Terrell and Chekhov shoot their phasers ahead of the Gorns in an attempt to warn them off. The Gorns have their orders, so they attempt to get closer so their translators can help them to explain they are there to help. One of the Gorns comes out of the bushes and surprises Bates, who shoots him point-blank. The doctor examines the Gorn and finds a medical scanner and a cellular regenerator. She concludes they are a rescue team, and Bates just shot the doctor. The doctor attempts to treat him, but admits she knows nothing of their Physiology. When the commander hears the report that the humans killed the doctor, he calls out for an all-out war on the humans, as if, if this is the way humans reward mercy, he wants to pay them in kind. As the doctor tries to treat the unknown giant within the shuttle, Captain Terrell sees a very large force of menacing vehicles coming their way. The doctor is able to treat the gorn doctor enough that he comes to but is very weak. He tells the humans to drop their weapons and to help him outside so his comrades can see he's still alive. The gorn doctor tells his commander he will recover and Bates apologizes to them both for the for him overreacting. Captain Terrell introduces himself to General Relk and the general introduces himself to the captain. The Gorn says they found Skyle's body and will bring it to the shuttle. The general explains the harshness of the planetoid is to train his soldiers. It is not meant for humans. As the humans and a few Gorns continue their conversation, two Gorn grunts say they hope the humans will be gone soon. One says, mammals give me the creeps. The end. I love that ending. <laughs> me too. <laughs> Another good little humorous uh, ending. I like that. Right.
0: Yeah. So the uh, what was with those little tanks though? They looked like they were like farm equipment. (laughs)
1: Like a yeah, they're a thrasher. I mean, yeah. So what? What is it? Like a, a big, huge roller with spikes on it in the front? Yeah. Yeah. So those are the wheels, I guess. Um, So it's got three, like, roller kind of things, and the front ones have, like, nubs on them, uh, spikes.
0: Right. I guess you need that if you're going to go through forests like that.
1: Maybe. Maybe. Hmm. So, and what about the uh, flying, uh, I don't know, hover hover bikes? (laughs) Whatever the right term for Yeah, they just look
0: like flying rifles that don't really seem to do anything.
1: Well, the back of them looks like the back of a porpoise or something. A or shark, a shark. Yeah, 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 I can see that. And then the front looks like a phaser rifle or something, or a gun. Right. Yeah, but I, I found it weird that they didn't do anything,
0: except they were always floating in the background.
1: Yeah, and you would think they would be able to fly ahead of the tanks, right. know, with the rollers, the nasty-looking rollers on the front. Way ahead. And then other guys are walking. So it's like – so these guys on the hover bikes are just like hanging out, like going really slow, going, come on, guy.
0: Let's go. Let's go. Right. And then at one point the the Gorn said that their translator only works within a limited radius or something. And I was like, oh, so they can just have one of those hover bikes just drop a communicator or something over there.
1: Yes. They could do Uh, that.
0: But no, instead they have – Sent the doctor to go get shot in the chest.
1: <laughs> yeah, and it's the doctor that goes in first. Wouldn't you think it would be... No, you send a grunt in first, and you don't, you don't have the doctor go in first.
0: Well, if they sent the grunt in first, then they wouldn't have known his good intentions. He would correct. have had all the medical equipment. On. That
1: is correct. That's good for the story, but I'm just saying... Right. You know, if you're the guy in charge of this little welcoming party... Um. <laughs> Why are you sending the doctor? Yeah,
0: I've seen enough Star Trek. They always send McCoy first, they <laughs> all those red shirts behind, right?
1: right? Exactly. Yeah. Exactly.
0: Yeah, and I loved when he's like salutations. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs>
1: well, yeah, that's pretty funny. I I do like the um, all the lettering is definitely. Very well implementing the uh, the hissing that we got from the Gorn in the original Arena episode. Yeah. So there's all kinds of hisses going on. I could see the fear in yours. You know, so all yeah. the answers have a lot of s. Uh, yeah. Thing, I like that. Yeah, I liked
0: it too. And another thing I liked, but. I don't know if it's actually in Star Trek is uh this doctor woman's skirt. Oh yeah. I thought it looked really nice. The I mean it looked oh, very yeah, it professional looked
1: really nice. and Oh. I mean it's
0: it's long and it but I mean it does have that that cut in the leg but huh but it's just like the, you the, know it's not a little tiny mini skirt that's showing off your butt all the time. It's just like I thought it was a really nice
1: design. It, it is a nice design. It's just that there's one panel that I really like it. Why does it does it creep up or something? Oh yeah. So she he, she's in there um, working on the uh, on the Gorn, the Gorn doctor. Um, page twenty. Okay, I think I see it. Yeah, and that slit in the side of the skirt goes all <laughs> home, almost all the way up to where you'd have a belt. That's pretty high. <laughs> pretty high.
0: Yeah, maybe a little too high.
1: So they they, they slipped in a little little sexy in there in the drawings but did, did a horror ever wear a
0: skirt in the movies she did right was it was it this skirt
1: i, I think she wore a skirt yeah um I, it wasn't a really short one
0: but yeah now you know. that i'm looking at the pictures that it, that slit does go up higher than i remembered <laughs>
1: <Yeah>. <laughs> in a lot of the panels oh in multiple ones okay. yeah yeah well it that one in particular i noticed
0: Anyway. Well, I just thought it. I thought it just with the maroon uh, type that everybody else is wearing. It mm-hmm. was just kind of cool to see her, and you know, instead of wearing pants, wearing that skirt.
1: Yeah, if you look at it from the left side, that skirt goes down to her knees, and right. there's no slit in it. Oh, I'm sorry. Well, it depends on the panel. The slit kind of <laughs> moves. But I'm I'm looking at one where she's be, she's bending down, taking her first look at the uh at, at the the fallen Gorn, yeah. and. And and that skirt's covering things nicely. No problem. But then on the, the panel, panel above, above it, it yeah. obviously there's a slit on the left, and there's definitely a slit on the right in one of the panels. So, <laughs> I don't know. Anyways, well,
0: I guess I have to take back what I was saying. Yeah. <laughs> okay, but, yes. We can't put our, our female officers in anything other than eye candy, I guess.
1: Yeah, well. I mean, this is a comic book written for, I guess, they think a mostly male audience. Hmm. Not exclusively, but they got a little sexiness in there.
0: Well, did you like the Gorn design?
1: I thought the Gorn design was fine, only it's quite different. And actually, it's good it's different, because the Gorn... <laughs> the Gorn in the original arena episode was was pretty comical low budget
0: Yeah rubber suit
1: right uh, where these guys are like I mean they're they're massive. I mean they're they're pretty scary looking um, right
0: but they kept the bulk which which I think the the Gorn in the in Star Trek Enterprise was was kind of smaller. You know, he wasn't like a big towering Hulk like, like he was in the uh, the arena episode. And they are here.
1: Yeah. Well, uh, yeah, I agree with you. So would you say that the first cover is a little bit more towards the Enterprise depiction?
0: Um, yeah, maybe. A little, little more spindly looking. Right. Arms and legs, yeah.
1: Right, whereas um, the second cover and the rest of the book is uh, very much making these Gorns look like big linebackers. Right. Big, muscular, huge chests. Uh, They'd be able able to crush a human easily. Really tall, really tall. Right. Yeah,
0: no, I, I
1: agree with you. I do like that cover, though. Yeah, I like that cover a lot. I mean, the Gorn looks really nasty. You do not want to mess with him. Anyway. (laughs) That's cute. So I just uh, sent uh, Donovan a picture of a Gorn on an escalator. So this was was a fan, a Star Trek fan, who was able to uh, wear a Gorn outfit for a while. And he's like going through a mall or something. I don't know what it is.
0: It's probably a convention center.
1: Maybe, maybe. Yeah, yeah it's, it's probably at a convention, a Star Trek convention. And then, of course, the person that actually still owns, or th- owns the original head, I think he, ha- he might have the whole costume, but at least he has the head, uh, is uh, Ben Stiller.
0: Yep. That's what you said.
1: Apparently so. And he admitted it. I think I did. I mention was this on the episode?
0: Yeah, I think we talked about okay. it last week.
1: So I won't. I don't repeat myself, but that <laughs> uh, yeah, looks good. The main point is uh, Ben's obviously a, a fan. So
0: yeah, that you just sent me a picture of Ben Stiller. and I guess it's his home, but yeah, he has a lot of Star Trek memorabilia there in the background. Yeah. You know what? If I had that kind of money, I probably would too.
1: <sighs> obviously, I would.
0: Until then I'll just make do with my little action figures and figurines models.
1: and a handful of cool ships. Could I make two final comments on this uh on this course. course? Uh yeah. Okay. Um I just wanted to comment since they showed the uh, Kepler a fair amount that the Kepler's design is The Star Trek Discovery shuttles, which I think are very cool looking, um, they—I believe—they've drawn some inspiration from the uh, Taws shuttles. So on, on Discovery, uh, yeah, the Taws yes. movie shuttle. Yes, so the Discovery TV show shuttles look have a lot of similarities to the uh, movie the movie shuttles and okay. specifically the Kepler we're seeing in this one. Okay. So if you see it from a couple different angles and you compare it, those same angles with the, uh, the star Trek discovery shuttles, the main ones that they've been using in the show. I mean, there's a lot of different shuttles shown, but the main ones that they were using uh, in the early days of, of the uh, show. And I don't think they've changed that much, but well, maybe they have now because they're in the uh, three a thousand years in the future. But the original shuttles they were using, uh, very similar to this uh, Kepler.
0: Okay. Now, in Star Trek 5, they have a Galileo there and it looks just like this, right? And it even has the 5 on the side? Is that right?
1: I would have to go back and look again. I don't remember. Hmm. I mean, they they, they had a lot of... Yeah, go ahead. They had a lot of ships and uh, didn't didn't they actually fly? Was it yeah? Star Trek fly, was Star Trek Five the one that they flew the shuttle into the uh, yeah, and crashed it inside. And it. crashed in the shuttle bay. Yeah, was that the same one as this one? Yeah, I think so. Okay. Except it was Galileo. Okay, which would have made sense. Um, anywho, I just thought I might make like that. And the other, my second comment is that um, the art style. Here just reminds me, just a little, a, little, a little flavor, a little flavor of manga. And, right. oh yeah, definitely. Um, the drawings of Chekhov don't look like Walter Coney. Not at all. And in fact, some of them almost look more like Chekhov. I mean, uh, Sulu. Sorry. Sulu. No, I could see that. Because there are some drawings that his eyes look a little bit more Asian. So he look he looks more like Sulu in, in some, right? No, I could see that. Yeah, that's it.
0: That's all I'd say. Uh, so, um, my last thing is the Ewok uh, trap. Which nah, kind of weird. <laughs> I mean, it's pretty gruesome too, seeing this this poor guy get flattened in between these two logs. Yeah,
1: but they did it stylistically.
0: S- we saw what that ha- what it did to an Adat.
1: Yeah, or ATST. Yep. Now
0: we see what happens to a poor red shirt.
1: Yeah. Now they. It did ain't its, pretty. No, it ain't pretty. But they did it. I like the drawing. I like the panel very much. But yeah, so they do it in just black and then variations of red. Right. So it gets across that this was bloody without actually. Well, actually, they kind of do show blood, don't they?
0: <laughs> but it's weird because it's like the the logs. The log and the human are both completely black, and then anywhere there would be blood is just like just red. Yeah, it, it, it's really cool. But it's it's, nice. it's it's really like ooh, my goodness. Yeah,
1: but they 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 kind, It's not as graphic as it could have been. Oh no! Yeah, right. Yeah. So. Yeah, this is still a rated T comic. Right. It's very stylistic. And if you really don't take it right, you don't realize all that red on the fronts of the two (laughs) logs is blood.
0: Right. It could just be like action.
1: Exactly. Right. Or trying to be like, oh, impact. Trying to get across (laughs) that impact happened. Uh, It's an
0: impact. All right. He popped like a water balloon. (laughs) There
1: you go. (laughs) Exactly.
0: And then I love how they're like, is there anything we could do for him? And I'm like, "Uh, dude, there is nothing. (laughs) That guy is flat. Yeah. Uh, it's pretty, pretty bad.
1: Yeah. I mean, after it, you know, where the, the doctor is trying to do a reading on him and stuff, of course, they only show him from his like chest up. Right. And he's just got a little bit of blood coming out of his uh, mouth. But yeah. uh, I don't, I don't think I'd be. No. I mean, it's like they have him se- seated, like sitting up. It's Right. Like, uh, I'm not so sure as torso would, uh, <laughs> still would work that way anymore. Right. Anyway. Now, and my thing, uh, and, and this is my last
0: comment, it, it was really bothering me that they were making such a big deal that, oh, they shot the doctor that we sent over there. Mm-hmm. And, and then, so you're reading like most of the book and you're like, oh, it's such a horrible misunderstanding. Mm-hmm. But I was like, but one of our dudes are still dead. So, oh <laughs> yeah. You you can chalk it up to, oh, it's a horrible misunderstanding that we shot the doctor, but you still killed one of our guys, whether you meant to or not. Yeah. So I do like in the last page, they finally – it's almost as an afterthought. Oh, by the way, we found your dead guy over here. Yeah. Um, Sorry about that. Yeah. (laughs) This is a training ground. Yeah,
1: and you guys shouldn't be here. Right.
0: Which they never meant to be there, right? No, no. no.
1: It was a crash landing. Exactly.
0: But maybe you should have signs or a beacon that says,
1: beware of Ewok logs or something. You know? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, maybe one of those signs that are kind of a, you know, just like a, like a stencil outline, like a silhouette.
0: <laughs> yeah, of, of exactly, of that. There
1: you go. You could just use that. That panel. Use that panel, use that panel <laughs> for signs. Put signs around. Oh, uh, That's funny. All right, well, that's it for me. You? Uh yeah, I'm good. I, I, I enjoyed it. I, I'm, I'm glad they didn't just show the Gorons as mindless, right. you know, militaristic uh, poop heads. Right. And they actually have a sense of
0: humor. Uh, apparently so. Because they think us mammals are. Give them the creeps.
1: Oh, but is that a sense of humor? Or that's him just saying? <laughs> Maybe both. <laughs> exactly. Mammals well, give good. me the
0: creeps. All right, Ken. So next week we'll uh, we're gonna do a more modern comic book uh, with the the new Mirror War uh, miniseries that's going on in 2022. Mm-hmm. Uh, they did a Data special, so we'll do the first one of that. And then come to find out, we actually missed an issue called The Origin of Data, which was in the Mirror Universe. In uh, your that was series. Yeah, it was part of the one of those. Uh, earlier, it was like a free comic book that came with uh, what's called a, a humble bum- humble bundle, where no. you would okay. buy all these comic books uh, for charity, and mm. then and then one of the extra books they gave you was this Origin of Data, which I didn't even know about until they just released it into the uh, trade paperback for the Mirror Universe. Uh, remember that cover that sh- that we were talking about that had data like being all pulled apart and stuff and it was like, you know, half of his face was mechanical mm-hmm. and all that stuff. So that's right. actually the cover of this book. Oh, that, okay. Uh, but it was only because we were talking about that that I was just like, where did that cover come from? And then you found out. And then out. I found out that there was a whole book we missed. Cool. So we'll do those, just those two next week. Okay, so it'll it's be a week. short episode.
1: There you go. That sounds great, Donovan. I'm looking forward to that.
0: Yep. I am a big and data fan then we'll be back to some more ones we we kind of missed right
1: (laughs) cool all right well thanks for joining us everybody on the review thank you for listening to Star Trek comic book review all Star Trek stories and characters are copyrighted CBS Studios incorporated all music stories and characters discussed are for entertainment purposes only you can email us